Morandor Hope. Is this on? Um, why don't you uh, bow your head and join me in a word of prayer before we, we dive into this text. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Thank you for this group. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for the opportunity to come together and gather as a family and as a community and, and, and learn of you and hopefully to fall more and more in love with you, to be enriched in our understanding and, and experience of a relationship with you. There's this piece of a poem that I, I just want to pray over this service this morning. It says, the gods, other gods were strong, but thou were weak. And they rode, but thou didst stumble to thy throne. And to our wounds, only God's wounds could speak. And no God has wounds, but thou alone. Lord, you know what it is like to hurt. You know what it is like to lose a son. You know what it is like in every way, because Jesus came and experienced life as a human being and was tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. Thank you for sending your son. I pray by the power of the spirit that hearts may be transformed, converted, corrected, that we come into a deeper understanding of you. I pray as always that I would be quiet and that your word would would go forth. We would hear only what it is that you have to share with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Warren Dorhope, my name's Ian. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, Glad you're here with us. It's good to see you all. Um, so if you haven't yet, go ahead and open up to Psalms 42. There should be a Bible in the pew right in front of you if you haven't done that yet. Um, this, uh, this psalm and other psalms are very dear to me because throughout the course of, of my life, throughout the course of my, even my childhood and especially my adult life, I've always struggled with the idea of God as a father. I've struggled with the idea of God being compassionate and being patient and having long-suffering and, and the, 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 kind of, the kind of God who sits with you in your depression, hurt, anxiety, or whatever it else, and is just there with you. I've got no problem at all conceptualizing God as an authority figure, even like a, a, a military type, a taskmaster who just wants to beat you into submission and, and force you into whatever it is that you need to be and, and is, is unconcerned about um, you and just wants, to, just wants you to be something else and just tells you to shut up and stop sniveling all of the time. That, that for some reason is just an easy thing for me to grasp and it's always been difficult for me to grasp that God is kind. It's been really difficult for me to grasp that God is a father a good father, a loving father. I remember when I was growing up as a kid, and I, and I really don't know where this came from. I've got to do a Genesis process on this or something because I just honestly cannot pinpoint where this originated. But I remember when I was growing up that it just didn't feel like it was okay for me to have any fear or anxiety or questions or concerns or pains or sorrows or disappointment or, or even, even anger. And if I did have those things, I certainly wasn't allowed to express them or vocalize them in any way because those sorts of feelings, pain, discouragement, anger, confusion, questions, doubts, those sorts of things were a deficiency in faith and such a deficiency should be 
repented of and then, and then severely punished. And so I kept my mouth shut. But what I love about the Psalms is that they put that, that wrong thinking to death. You cannot get by thinking that whenever you come to the Psalms because the Psalms are full of people crying out. And I mean really, really crying out. I, uh, I'm going to read most of this psalm to you here in a second, but I, this is just funny. I was, I was with my friend Gene this morning. I'm not sure if, there he is, my man Gene. I was talking with Gene uh, a little while ago. I think it was yesterday morning. And, uh, and I mentioned that I was going to read Psalms 88, and he was like, oh, why? <laughs> I was like, I know, I know, I know, because it's rough. It's rough. It's a, it's a, it's a really hard psalm. And what I, what I love about Psalm 88 is that it, it, stands, it, it, it stands alone almost. It's, there's very few psalms that are like Psalm 88 because the psalms are full of people crying out. Uh, they're scared. They're confused. They're angry. They're literally running for their lives sometimes. But there's usually light at the end of the tunnel. Usually the psalmist will say something along the lines of, I, I will raise my eyes up to the Lord again. I will praise him again. Um, I will assemble with him again. My heart will rejoice. I will get through this. I, the, 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 the storm will calm. The waters will abate and things will be okay again. But what I like about Psalm 88 is that there's, there's none of that. It's just sad and dark. So let me read this to you and then I'll, I'll tell you why I, I like that. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to read a pretty good chunk of Psalm 88 here. O Yahweh, the God of my salvation, I have cried out by day and throughout the night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry of lamentation. For my soul has been saturated with calamities and my life has reached Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like a man without strength, released among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more. And they are cut off from your hand, and you have put me in the pit far below, in dark places and in the depths. Your wrath lies upon me, and you afflict me with all your breaking ways, and you have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have set me as an uh, abomination to them, and I am shut up and cannot go out. My eye has wasted away because of affliction, and I have called upon you every day, O Yahweh, and I have spread my hands out to you. Going down to verse 13, but as for me, O Yahweh, I have cried to you for help, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Yahweh, why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have been afflicted and about to breathe my last from my youth on. I bear your terrors and I am overcome. Your burning anger has passed over me. Your horrors have destroyed me. They have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me altogether. You have removed lover and friend far from me and my acquaintances are in darkness. The end. I heard one preacher who was little, you know, he was, he was making a joke, but he's like, why is this even in the Bible? What is that doing there? And you know what? He was making a joke, but I think that's a fair question. And the reason why it's in the Bible is because, friends, this is a very human experience. And so the two, two things that immediately come to mind is that we know, we know that we may experience moments like this. In, in this sense, there's two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have felt this way, and there's people who will feel this way sooner or later. This happens, and it's not fun, 
It's not cool and we don't like it, but this does happen in the human experience. But what I love about Psalm 88 and what I love about the fact that it just ends on a negative note is that we can speak to the Lord this way because he is a good father. We can come to him with our sadness. We can come to him with our sorrows. We can come to him and tell him, I feel dejected. I feel left alone. I feel abandoned. I feel like your terrors are surrounding me and all of my friends are gone. This is the way that I feel. Help. I can, I can love a God like that. It is so antithetical to the, the God that I believed in growing up. With his, with his cane and his whip just trying to beat me into some sort of standard of, of what he expected me to be, but not really caring about me. And what Psalms 88 shows us is that that is the furthest thing from the truth. He is kind and he will listen to us. And that it can get that bad. It, like our experience can get that bad. Psalms 88 is pretty bad. But what I love about Psalms 88 and Psalms, and, and Psalms 42 is, is that we can, we can come to the Lord with our sorrows. We can come to, and I really want to make that point. I mean, we really can pour out our souls to the Lord. Do you believe that? Do you personally believe that? Because if there's someone in this room who feels like God is this, is this cold, removed, far-off being, then that can be... If, if you come into a Psalms 88 moment, then you'll start to tell yourself that that's actually true. You'll start to believe these horrible things, that your, your feelings will move from, I just feel this way, I feel sad, I feel dejected, I feel abandoned, and, and then you might start moving into, I am dejected, I am abandoned, I am all alone. And what I, what I, what I love about these psalms is that they, they force you, they, they wake you up, sort of a, a splash of cold water on the face and say, listen, we have to fight as Christians. We have to fight to remember that there is, there is a battle between always, always what feels true and what actually is true. And this psalm draws a line right down the middle of that. And I love that about Psalms 42 is that it draws a line, it, it, it points out that there is a fight. We can pour out ourselves to the Lord. Verses one and two are that, as the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. And that word for panting, for, for thirst, is not just like, I think that I'll walk back there and get myself a drink. This is, this is a dire need. This is a deer that's borderline dying of thirst. And this, this, Psalter's, this psalmist's cry is that, Lord, that's, that's how I feel about you. It's not, a, it's not a, a lack of faith. He's not doubting God's existence, but he feels like the relationship has gone completely cold and dry and there is nothing there. That's how he feels, and he's expressing that. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And I think that it's worth noting, just to, just to highlight the intensity here. He says in verse one, I'm thirsty. You know, as a deer pants, so I am panting. And then in verse seven, he says, but deep calls unto deep at the sound of your waterfalls and all your breakers and all your waves have rolled over me. It's like, well, which one is it? You're dying of thirst, but then you're engulfed in water? And we can't get the imagery mixed up here. What he's saying is I'm, I'm drowning in this experience. It has overtaken me, like in Psalms 88. I am completely engulfed in this, in this feeling of abandonment, in this feeling of loneliness. We read in 88, verse 17, he says, your horrors have destroyed me and they have surrounded me like water. 
all the day long. If you've ever been engulfed by a wave swimming out in the ocean or surfing or whatever it is that you all do, that you know that feeling when you're just completely helplessly submerged by something that is epically more powerful than you and bigger than you and you're helpless in its wake. And that's what this guy is describing. He feels the weight of this abandonment so much so that he's overpowered by it. He feels like it's killing him. And now here's the thing. What does he, what does he do? I love this. He, he pours himself out. This is what I love about these Psalms. He pours himself out, but then there's that line. He starts, he starts to draw that distinction between what, what feels true and what is actually true. And this is something that we must always do. What feels true and what is true. So this, this happened to me most, most epically and, and most hor- horrifically when, when my dad died. Some of you have heard, heard this story, um, but I've got the time today to, to give it a little bit more detail. When, when, my, when my dad got cancer, they t- the, the doctors told my, me, my mom, my family that it, it was not a death sentence. I think that's actually the word that they use. It's not a death sentence. Um, and then my wife and I were out of town and it come to find out, my mom sent me a text and said, you know, this, this might be it, uh, your dad's in the hospital. So we rushed, we rushed to, back to Portland and I remember being by my dad's bed and, and listening to him breathe and asking the doctors all these questions and, and he, was just, he was just gone. His, his body was there, but he was unconscious. And I remember the f- feeling, I mean, just an overwhelming, this wave, this torrent of water of feeling of just being completely helpless. And in, in that moment, you know, and I w- you know, maybe I wish I could say something different, I don't know, but, I, but what is true is that my mind did not go to gospel promises. My mind did not go to hope in Jesus and heaven and the miraculous and what could be and what will be in the future. I'm a, I mean, and for Pete's sake, I'm a preacher. I believe this stuff, but in the, in the, in the face and in the, the actual reality of watching my dad dying, it was, so, it was so eviscerating, and you could probably read 10 books about what it's like to watch a loved one die, but experiencing it is a whole different thing. The amount of helplessness that I felt and how terrifying that was, it completely overwhelmed me. And I was, so I was feeling these things. I was feeling dejected. I was feeling alone. I was feeling like this wasn't supposed to be a death sentence. And now it is, sort of like Martha and Mary in John 11, when Jesus tells them, you're, you know, the, the sickness is not going to lead to death. And they thought, oh, well, I guess Lazarus is going to be okay. But then Lazarus died. Like I had this, he wasn't supposed to die, but now he's dying. I was so messed up. I was so messed up. And I was feeling all of these things like water just completely drowning me. But what I started to do is that I started to actually listen to what I was feeling. And that was, that was the mistake that I began to make. I didn't realize that I was making it. I, I started to, I was feeling dejected. I was feeling like maybe everything that I preach, everything that I believe, everything I have faith in, is it actually true? Because I'm watching my dad. He's not coming back from this. This is it. This is, you know, right now here in the temporal, this is final. And there's nothing that I can do. Do I actually believe everything that I claim to believe? And I started to have these doubts. I started to have this confusion. I started to have this emotional turmoil. And 
I want to state that's okay. That does happen. But the mistake that I made is that I started to believe what I was feeling. And so, friends, this is where the church really comes in. So I, I called Josh White. I called my friend Joe, I called my friend Paul Anderson, and I was pacing back and forth across the street looking like a madman, making all these phone calls, just out of my mind, crying into the phone and yelling into the phone and asking all these questions. And, and over the course of those conversations, which, friends, that's what the, where the church cries and weeps with those who weep, and they rejoice with those who rejoice. This is what it is to be a family and a body. I called these guys in my deepest moment of need, and they were there. And through the course of these conversations, I, rem- I remembered. I stopped. I paused. And I realized what I'm doing here is I'm, I'm pouring out my soul, and that's good. You can do it. Psalms 42, Psalms 88, come to the Lord and pour out your soul. Cry and wail and weep. Yes, he is a father. No one here who is a father is like, shut up, kid. <laughs> Stop sniveling when something's really wrong, you know? And maybe not everyone here is a father, but everyone here is a child. So we get this to some extent. We can come to the Lord and we can pour out our feelings and then we still, we need to stop and then we need, to, we, we need to start talking to ourselves. We gotta stop listening to ourselves and we have to start talking to ourselves. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I never, I never actually listened to it or read the whole sermon, but he preached a sermon on Psalms 42 and, and, and that is his famous line is we need to stop listening to ourselves and we need to start talking to ourselves. And probably before my dad died, that would have gone over my head. I would have been like, okay, that, I get it, that makes sense up here, but it would have missed here. But friends, I'm trying to emphatically as much as I can, who's some, some, someone who's, whose father died in my arms, this is the most true thing because this is, this is the fight. This is the battle. It's easy to come to church whenever it's warm outside and the coffee's good and there's indoor plumbing and we're all safe and fun and it's all good. But whenever, whenever you're watching death occur before your very eyes, this fight will ensue. When something happens, we're not told specifically in Psalms 42 what the problem is, what it is that's going on in this psalmist's life, what it is that's, that's travailing him. You know, it's not real specific. But something will happen in our lives where we have, to, we have to face this fight. We're going through the upper room discourse in the evening service, John 14. We're going to start John 15 this evening. And guys, I got to tell you, come. Just come. 6 p.m., come. The upper room discourse is rich. It's rich with so much good stuff. And everybody in the upper room discourse is upset. Jesus is upset. He's troubled, he's just about to go to the cross. His disciples are upset and troubled and confused and angry and they're hearing Jesus say things that they don't like and that they don't understand. Everybody is troubled. And in in the upper room discourse, Jesus is very honest and he says, guys, it's gonna get hard. It's going to get really hard. Famous verse at the end of John 16, verse 33, he straight up says, in this life you will have tribulation, but take heart, I've overcome the world. There's a fight between what feels true and what actually is true. And if we, if we get into the Christian life and we think that it's all going to be good, then when Psalms 88 happens, we might be completely undone because it, 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 in our mind it shouldn't have happened. And friends, it, it will. Something will happen. And the psalmist in Psalm 42 is saying it, it has happened. But notice that he, he stops himself. He's feeling, he's feeling the weight 
of all of this. And he says, he says in verse 9, he says, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning? We might feel that way. We might feel forgotten. We might feel rejected. We might feel left behind. When my dad was dying, I, I felt that heavily. How could a good God be governing the universe whenever a guy like John Young is, is dying right before my very eyes? But the psalmist stops himself. Verse 6, he says, oh my God, my soul is in despair within me, pouring out his soul. Good, healthy, good thing to do. But then he says, therefore, notice that, therefore, or because, my soul is in despair within me, therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan, from the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. He stops, he stops himself. He does this a few times in the Psalms. He asks himself, he's speaking to himself, he starts preaching to himself. This is what he's doing, do you see this? He starts preaching to himself. Verse five, why are you in despair, oh my soul? Ian, why are you in despair? Jean, why are you in despair? Angela, why are you in despair? Why are you in despair? Stop, think. Wait for God, verse five. Wait for God and I shall still praise him for the salvation of his presence. Verse six, my, I'm in despair, therefore I will remember. Remember what? Remember what? What, what, what? what can bring us relief? What can bring us sustenance in these moments? What brought me sustenance when I was watching my dad die? I stopped. I stopped listening to myself and I started preaching to myself. I hadn't even heard that quote from Lloyd-Jones at that point and I stopped and I started preaching to myself. My feelings are in that moment, they were real, they were valid, I could express them, God was listening, but they were not true. I wasn't dejected, I wasn't forgotten, I wasn't alone. I started to believe what I was feeling and that was a mistake and that's what is, that is exactly what the devil wanted me to do. But I stopped. He stops, he says, therefore I remember you, verse eight, by day Yahweh will command his loving kindness and by night his song will be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. That word loving kindness in my translation is the word has said in the, in, in the Old Testament. It's, it's the same word that's used in Exodus 34 whenever Moses says to Yahweh, I wanna see your glory, show me your glory and the Lord says to him, you, you, can't, you can't handle that. But I'll do this, I'll put you in a rock and I'll pass by you. And as I pass by you, you can see the back of me, but no one will see my face. And as the Lord passes by Moses, he says, the Lord, the Lord, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, compassionate, slow to anger. That steadfast love, that's the word has said. It's the same word that's used here. Steadfast love, loving kindness. The psalmist stops and he reminds himself of the loving kindness of the Lord. He says, why have you forgotten me? But he stops. He says, why is my soul in despair? But he stops. And he reminds himself of the loving kindness of the Lord. He reminds himself about who the Lord is. So when my dad was in the bed that, that day, and as I was watching him slowly breathe his last, I reminded myself of what the scriptures say. I reminded myself of who Jesus is. I started preaching to myself the gospel as if I had never done it before. Here's something that we can remind ourselves of, friends. Take this to heart. Whenever, whenever the ship begins to sink, 
whenever the fire is raging, whatever it is, Psalms 103. Listen to these words. I'm challenging the the, the, uh, evening service to memorize this whole psalm, and I'm in the process of trying to do it myself. I'm not going to attempt it right now because there's 400 people watching me, but... Psalms 103, bless Yahweh, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless Yahweh, O my soul, and forget none, forget none of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with loving kindness, there's that word again, crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I'm going to jump down to verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. And if, if you don't know what that means, if, you're, if you are new here, if you're new to the Bible, if you're new to to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what that means is that he removes all of your sins from you infinitely. The east and the west never touch. He removes our iniquities as far as the east is from the west. As a father, I love this, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, So Yahweh has compassion on those who fear him. He knows our form. He remembers that we are dust. As a father has compassion on his children. Romans 5.1. Remember Romans 5.1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8.1. Therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. One of my favorite portions of scripture. Memorize this. I'm gonna just tell you to do it. Door of Hope, we we typically aren't uh, prescriptive, but I'm gonna chafe against that. Like, you should go home and memorize large portions of your Bible because this is good for your soul. Listen to these words from Romans chapter eight. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who indeed did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. So who is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, but rather he who was raised, who is, the right hand of, who is at the right hand of God and also intercedes for us. Who will separate from the love of who will separate us from the love of Christ. And Paul's about to make an itemized list here of things that cannot separate us from the love of God ever, but they are things that we may experience. These are things that may feel true, and we will have to remind ourselves that they are not true. The the, the things that our mind tells us, our emotions are horrific liars, horrible liars, It will get us to to believe all sorts of false things. And this is what is true in the scriptures. This is what is true of our Lord, of our Jesus. This is what is true for you if you have been born again. This is what is true of you if you are a Christian. This is what's true. Listen to this. 
Not the doubt, not the confusion, not the express them. Yes, say it. Yes, find a group of people and confess it and, and find help, find community. Yes, but believe this. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Affliction, turmoil, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? No. Just as it is written, for your sake, for the Lord's sake, we are being put to death all the day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. And we think, well, great. <laughs> but we know that's true. We know that the mortality rate is one per person. Every one of us is going to face this. In that moment of darkness, in that moment of Psalms 88, remember this, friends. Remember what is true of Jesus and what that means for you. But in all things, we are overwhelmingly conquering through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. This guy in Psalms 42 is feeling the panting. He's feeling, he's feeling the loneliness but he stops and reminds himself, but I am not alone. Despite how I feel, what is objectively true is that I am not alone. We may feel despondent, confused, angry, mad, some other thing, but if you are a born again believer in Jesus Christ, this is what is true for you. Those feelings, that confusion, that dry spell, whatever it is, keep moving forward because None of those things have actually, like really not at all separated you from the love of Christ. Believe that. and Meditate on that. Preach that to yourself. Stop listening to yourself and start preaching to yourself. If somebody had told me that 10 years ago, I think that my life would have been very different because I based almost literally everything on my emotions because I didn't know how faulty they really are. And they are faulty. Scripture is not. This is God's word. This may happen to us, and I'm gonna I'm gonna st start bringing this to a close. But um, I've got to I've got to share this with you. This may happen to us, and it may very well be happening to somebody else at this exact moment. And I've got to give y'all Dora Hope a round of applause because last week a woman came in here. Nobody knew her. She was a stranger. She was from out of town. And Steve prayer warrior of the century, for real, just had this feeling. That woman needs prayer. That woman needs something. Not from here, no friends, no family, no community, completely brand new face, and Steve just knew. The spirit was communicating to Steve, there's something going on here. So Steve asked Aaron Stafford, you know, I think this lady needs prayer. Would you go pray for her? Well, it turns out this woman, this stranger, not from here, her name's Barbara, and Barbara has a son who was 34 years old and was in the hospital and was dying. And the, the doctors were saying that they didn't think that he was going to make it through the night. He, his name's TJ. He lived here in Portland for the last 10 years, but his mom, Barbara, was still in California. So she came up here to be with her boy as he was dying, and she was not allowed in the hospital because of COVID restrictions. And so being a believer, being a Christian, being alone, not having community, not having any friends, she came to Door of Hope. She found, about, she found out about us on the internet and she came and she was visiting and y'all surrounded her. I don't know who specifically, y'all know who you are, but the, the number that I heard was that eight separate women surrounded Barbara, prayed for her, gave her love, gave her attention. 
And this woman who was alone and despondent in a town that she was unfamiliar with, had no friends or family nearby, was surrounded by love. And I got a call that night that there was a boy who was dying in the hospital and I needed to go pray for him. So I did. I went there. And I, and I, and I, I saw TJ. He was unconscious. He was plugged into the wall, quite literally. It was very sad. It was very depressing. And we sat in that room and we prayed for one another. We prayed for, we prayed for TJ, prayed for the family. And because TJ was very popular, he had a lot of friends. And Barbara, his mom, and I talked the next day and she said, she said that her boy had passed the night before. And she was hoping, she was wondering, is there any way that his friends might have an opportunity, largely, if not all, unbelievers? Would, they, would, would you guys be able and, and willing to, to just host a small thing so that his friends can pass a microphone back and forth and, and, and share memories and stories from TJ's life. And so we did that. And Evan sang some songs and, and it was beautiful. And I, and I was watching this woman, Barbara. I was sitting here and Barbara was sitting over here and I was looking at her and she was surrounded. Jean came and Mel came and B came and some like real prayer warriors came. Rory was here just to be in the room, just to be with the family, just to be with the friends. And that woman, Barbara, a stranger, alone, without any friends or community, was doused in love because somebody was paying attention and saw that she was going through a Psalms 88, a Psalms 42. And she was surrounded by love. I didn't know what to preach this morning on Friday night when we had the little memorial service. I didn't know what I, I didn't, I was, it's this, sometimes this is hard. I didn't know where I was going. I was preparing for the evening service. I hadn't prepared for the morning service. And I sat right here on these steps till about 11 o'clock at night and was just overcome, praying out loud like a mad person in an empty church just overwhelmed by the fact that this woman, Barbara, was given the love. That is our Jesus. That is what he does. She came up here alone. She wasn't even allowed to go see her son for 48 hours because of these COVID rules, and she found love here because she came to church. She was, she, and she was reinforced in the, the love of Christ, the eternality of Christ, the goodness of our God. She was surrounded by it, and it melted my heart. And be praying. I'm just going to call them the QFC crew, because a lot of them work at QFC. Uh, there's two that I know of. One gal came up to me personally, not a Christian, and she said, there's something, there's something here. Can I, can I come? What time are your services? And we had that talk. She should be here next week. Pray for the QFC crew. They were here and, they, and they, felt, they felt the Lord. They felt the Holy Spirit in this room. Be, be on the lookout. Somebody might be going through a Psalm 88 moment. And, and you might be the impetus to get them back, to get, to get them to stop listening to themselves and to start preaching to themselves. It was a beautiful thing. I'll close with this. I don't know, I don't know what exactly this psalmist was saying when he said stop remember I will remember the loving kindness of the Lord I, I don't know what list he had but we have something that he didn't have because we can stop in our thirst we can stop in our in our depression we can stop in our hunger we can stop in our confusion and we can we can remember the one who went to the cross and actually cried out I thirst we have Jesus 
living on this side of the cross, we can point to the person Jesus Christ and say, you know what, I don't know exactly why I'm going through the thing that I'm going through. I don't know what it is exactly that's making Psalms 88 true for me, but I know that what it is I know what it's not, and what it's not is that God has abandoned me. What it's not is that God doesn't care. I mean, this poem, this is the Lord that we have. I don't have this memorized either. <laughs> the other gods were strong, but thou were weak. They rode, but thou did stumble to thy throne. To our wounds, only God's wound could speak, and no God has wounds, but thou alone. God was wounded. He knows what it's like, like Barbara. He knows what it's like to lose a son. He, know what it, he knows what it is to hurt. It cannot be that he's abandoned us. It cannot be that he has forgotten us. It cannot be that he does not care. And that what that means is that he does care. Remember that. Preach that to yourself. Tell yourself that. There may be other things. Med medication and community and, and things like that, that, there is a time and place for that. Absolutely. But do not neglect this. Do not neglect what is true of you and what is true of the entire cosmos. Jonathan Edwards, when he was 18 years old, what a weirdo. He wrote this powerful sermon, 18 years old. I was still in diapers at 18, I think. You know, this guy was incredible. 18 years old, this guy wrote a, wrote a sermon, Jonathan Edwards, and he said, here's, here's, three, here's three things to remember. It was kind of like a three-point sermon, not my style. It's kind of a three-point sermon on, on, on Christian happiness, things to remember, things to mull around. Whenever the Bible says to be renewed in your mind, your mind renewed, here's three things to chew on mentally, to renew your mind. He said, Bad things work out for my good. Good things cannot be taken away. And the best is yet to come. In case you're taking notes, I'll repeat that. Bad things work out for my good. Good things cannot be taken away. And the best is yet to come. Bad things work out for my good. Romans 8:28. All things work together for the good. And that doesn't mean for the health, wealth, and prosperity right now. But real awful, I mean real horrible things, like my father's death, like TJ's death, tragedies, natural or otherwise, things that really are, like they're bad, they're really bad things. The Lord in his grace and in his beauty and in his sovereignty can take all these different things and he can work them out. He can build our character, wean us off of dependency of the world and onto dependency in him, make us more, more, aware to the fact that he is a good father. I mean, my dad's death did that for me because my dad's dead. He's not here. He is in heaven, but here on earth, he's gone. And that drew me further into Christ, further into the love, a more palpable experience of the relationship that we have with one another, more intimate. It made our union that much more great. I understand it that much more. My dad's death was horrible, but a beautiful thing came out of it. A good thing did come out of it. That's just one. Bad things work out for our good. Good things cannot be taken away. If you're a Christian, your good things cannot be taken away. Your justification, your, your salvation, the Holy Spirit alive inside of you, the fact that your name is written in heaven, you'll never lose it. You'll never lose any of that. Your good things cannot be taken away and the best is yet to come. 1 Peter 1.4 says that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading that is kept in heaven for us. 
2 Corinthians 4.16. Write this one down. Write down 2 Corinthians 4.16, 17 and 18. Listen to this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though our outer man is wasting away, our inner man is being renewed day by day for this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us a weight of glory beyond all comparison. While we look not to the things that are seen, but are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal, and the things that are unseen are eternal. We do not lose heart. Our outer man is wasting away. Our inner man, our inner person, our inner, our inner, our inner spirit is being renewed day by day because Jesus went to the cross and wasted away. Jesus took the punishment of our sins. Jesus took the tragedy that is the human experience, sin that caused all of this mayhem, and he took it upon himself and he was punished for that sin. He was punished for the tragedy that we caused so that we wouldn't have to be punished for it. You feel forgotten, you feel rejected. Jesus went to the cross for you. Preach that to yourself. And he rose from the dead three days later because he was overqualified for death and the righteousness, the perfect holiness that is his, the perfect life that is his, sinless in word, thought, and deed, that record is given to you. So before the court of God, before the, before the, the white throne judgment, God Almighty will look at you and you'll have Jesus' record and he will say, come on in. You're perfect. You're holy, you're blameless, you're above reproach. Being rejected and, 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 and alone, and all that stuff is so antithetical to the truth. Stop listening to yourself and start preaching to yourself. This is what's true. Jesus went to the cross for your sins. God so loved the world that he sent his son. So whoever would believe will not perish but have everlasting life. At Jesus' baptism, the sky broke open and the voice of Father God cried out, you are my beloved son and with you I am well pleased. And because of Jesus' work on the cross and his taking of the punishment and the rising from the dead and the giving of righteousness to those who would put their faith in him, put their trust in him, put the hope of their eternity in him and repent of their sins and follow hard after Jesus, they also hear, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, with you I am well pleased. This is the gospel. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's a gift. This is how much God loves us. This is how much God is paying attention to us. Our Jesus is that good. Friends, I don't want to be dismissive. Pain is real. And the Psalms prove to us that we're able to tell God all about it. But the gospel also pushes us past that and says there is hope. Do not, do not die in your despair. Do not be overcome by this. You feel like you're being engulfed by waves in the ocean, but you're not. There's a hope. There's an, there's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading that was, that was achieved for us by the blood of Jesus because he is that good. Amen? Amen. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your cross. Thank you for your work. Thank you for its sufficiency. Thank you that you are, that you are slow to anger and you are gracious with us as we, we fumble around and as we hurt and as we stumble. Lord, thank you that your grace is new every morning. Thank you for being a father. Thank you for not 
just being this mean bully. Thank you for being kind. Thank you for being compassionate. Thank you for your loving kindness. Help us as a congregation, as a, as a people, as Christians, to stop and to remember what is actually true about you and what that means for us. Thank you that Door of Hope is a people who sees the hurting, who sees the weak and surrounds them with love and shows them your sacrificial attention, your sacrificial mercy, your sacrificial love, the outpouring of, of goodness on a person. Thank you that Barbara was brought here to Door of Hope. Be with, be with her and her family. Be with the QFC crew, Lord. We pray for them that you might bring them in here. You might draw them by your supernatural power. That they would see your kindness and it would draw them to repentance. Be with us as we go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friends, this is Russ Lacey, one of the pastors here at Door of Hope Southeast. Thanks for listening to this teaching. We always want to encourage you to give to your local church and would never want to supplant that. But if you're a regular listener and would like to help our church as we seek to point people to Jesus and minister here in the city of Portland, we'd welcome your prayers and financial support. Just head over to dooroftopedx.org and click Give from the menu bar. May God bless you.